When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Josh Rutledge, your co-host for Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support us more, please head over to our website, fearscapepodcast.com. There you can click on store and browse some really awesome t-shirts and maybe pick a couple up. Or even go to our Patreon page and see how you can support us monthly. We love bringing you awesome content just as much as you like listening to it. Enjoy the show. The following program is presented for entertainment purposes. WCHQ does not necessarily endorse the ideas presented. Fearscape is a program that explores the legends and lore around many creepy and scary things. Information is researched and presented in an entertainment fashion and is presented based off of what we found. Legends have a way of changing over time, so... Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Fearscape FM here on WCHQ 100.9 FM. All local, every, every, all, every of the time. Every all of the, of the times. times. That's right. Uh, I'm your host, Stefan Gerhardt, joined as always by my fabulous and beautiful co-host. Uh, Ed Black. No, Ed was mm-hmm. on last week. Oh, that's not me? No. Okay, I'll be, um, I'm going to go with Brad this week. Is Brad, that good? that's yeah. good. That's good, cool. Mr. Brad McQuarrie. Uh, so, Mr. Brad McQuarrie. Yep, so uh, we've got a cool episode. We're going to be talking about the uh, ghosts of Mammoth Cave. There's actually a bazillion stories, and I really had to whittle down to find like just a couple. Yeah, I've worked some wrestling shows uh, near Mammoth Cave, and I can tell you, it's... Uh, there's an essence to that area. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, we haven't even... Almost got beat up in jail. And there's a ton of other caves around there that um, are technically part of that system, some mm-hmm. that aren't considered part of that system. I mean, then there's, like, the stories of Jesse James and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, but Ed just showed us an amazing picture. Yes, which we're going to post you... Well, you'll see it now, because it is the picture that is on our... Um, Picture to advertise this episode mm-hmm. is a picture that uh, our friend and local DJ here at WCHQ, Ed Black, took when he visited Mammoth Cave. He had the original picture, and then when he put a brightness filter on it to brighten it up, and mm-hmm. it's eerie. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, neither of us had any creepy ketchup this week. Um, thank you. So that's good. Uh, but we do got a tad bit of spooky news. Oh. So let's jump into that. <laughs> So uh, this week on Spooky News, I just want to say, uh, so we know that the, uh, the the Notre Dame church burned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting about that is is that there are a ton of people 
saying they saw this apparition in the fire. Is it the the like the very large form of like Christ, the one you're talking well, about? Well, some people are saying it's Christ. Not everybody's saying it's Christ, but everyone is assured that they saw a man standing in there, essentially. Yeah, I know the same picture you're talking um, about. And so it's super creepy. You can search this online. Just look up Apparition Notre Dame Fire. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's super creepy, and it, it was a good one because, you know, like the paranormal people were just like, oh, there's a ghost in the fire, <laughs> you know? <laughs> the fantasy people were like, it's no, it's it's the hunchback, <laughs> <It's> the, <laughs> you know? Geez. And then the the Christians and religious folk were like, it's Jesus in the fire. Yeah. Um, but regardless, it was really cool. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting photo. Um, I, I love it when images show up in photos like that. And it probably is just an illusion because I've taken pictures of like bonfires where you like see a phoenix or see oh like yeah a, well you know face or something like um, that. I do divination you know more than what just does tarot. That even mean uh, just reading the future or seeing into things. Wait, so like tarot cards? Huh, I didn't know that about. I knew the tarot cards, but yeah, I didn't it's know called about it's the called future. divination. Oh, okay. Um, so like crystal ball reading. So did you did you foresee this? No, oh. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not our friend Kelly with her I was, dreams. I was wondering where this was going. <laughs> I just want to tell you, Brad, that um, no, uh, but one of the one of the divination styles is fire reading. Like you can look into fire and and discern Mm. images from it. A lot of times, you know, you can just use a candle Mm -hmm. um, or things like that. But yeah, bonfires. I mean, if you focus and, you know, go into divination mode, you know, where Mm. you're looking for images and things like that, you can find them. And uh, this was a similar thing. But aside from that, one of my favorite thing is when people find pictures of Jesus on toast or on eggs or on a hamburger or just... The holy toast. That's awesome. The holy toast. You know what I mean? Like, those are the ones that crack me up more than anything. Or they found a potato chip that looked like the holy mother Mary. You know? Holy mother Mary. There, you're a tater chip. (laughs) Poor lady. She's trying to get by. But yeah, still sad to hear about uh, Notre Dame. I mean, that is a very old building. I mean, I, um, I think you know the the donations that are going to fix it up. That's a whole well, other just, story. Yeah, I don't want to get into all no, that. That's too political. That's a whole political thing. But uh, but no, essentially, I told you it was just a wee bit of a little bit of spooky mm-hmm. news. But yeah, go ahead and Google search that. It, it's it's interesting. Go- see what you can go- see. Google search Jesus fire on your parents' computer. Yeah. Um, so they at, have to see it on Google and be like, what in the world? Yeah. Well, the cool house? thing is, is like, if you're looking it up, you're kind of already predisposed to see it because you're yeah. being told. It's just like EVPs mm-hmm. can be like that. Um, so show it to somebody that has no idea about it. See if they see anything without pushing it. Well, the, that's kind of how I saw it. I saw it as a picture where somebody was like, do you see something in the fire? And I'm looking and I'm like. I see a silhouette, but I don't think Jesus. I'm like, oh, okay, the fire looks like a person like with a, with a cloak on. That's right. what I saw. Uh, and they're like, it's Jesus. I'm like, eh. or it could be a guy in a cloak. Could be a guy in a cloak. Well, anyways, that's this week's Spooky News. I like to wear cloaks every now and then, but uh, I don't go near fires. No, I stay away from them unless mm-hmm. it's flame retardant. Yeah, unlike the curtains of reality, which might not be. Correct. Uh, well, getting into the haunting and the ghosts of Mammoth Cave, uh, all of our stories come from a number of different sources. So they come from nps.gov slash MACA, which is the National Park Service website for Mammoth Cave. Oh, these stories were on there? Yeah. Oh, that's dope. <laughs> Some of them were. Uh, cultofweird.com, prairieghost.com, which Love we go to quite ghosts. a Yeah, we Love go to quite a bit. Ghosts. And nationalparkstraveler.com and unitedbyblue.com. United 
Uh, so quickly, we're going to talk about Mammoth Cave. Okay. Uh, hidden among the forests and hills of southwest Kentucky is Mammoth Cave National Park. It is the largest cave in the world and impossible for any casual visitor to see in one day, or probably even one week. There are many passages, paths, and tunnels that are not open to the general public, thus adding to the mystery of this place. But in addition to the secrets of nature, there is much in the way of legend and lore about the cave. The place has a strange an unusual past and there are thousands of secrets in the dark corridors of the cave and according to some a myriad of ghosts so that is essentially the opening to uh troy taylor's uh book mammoth cave the world's largest haunted place oh okay (laughs) so uh yeah so that one's pretty cool uh but yeah so mammoth cave for those of you uh because we do have some listeners that aren't in the louisville area Uh, some of them are across the country friends and family and different things like that mammoth cave is a large cave system and is part of the green river valley and hilly country of south central kentucky this is the world's longest known cave system with more more than 400 miles explored. Early guide Stephen Bishop called the cave a grand, gloomy, and peculiar place. But its vast chambers and complex labyrinths have earned its name Mammoth. Oh, no joke. I thought they found like a woolly mammoth in it, and that's why it was called Mammoth Cave. Well, I mean, Big Bone Lick's not too far. Never heard of that. You never been heard of Big Bone Lick? No. It's northern Kentucky. It's a big state park where they've found a ton of woolly mammoth and dinosaur bones and stuff like that. It's one of the largest deposits in Kentucky. Oh, I gotta go. Yeah, it's supposed to be really cool. Um, So, legend has it that the first white man to venture into the cave was a frontiersman named Houchins, who chased a bear into an entrance to the cave in 1797. Valentine Simmons, however, was the first owner of the cave. He claimed 200 acres of land, which included the cave in 1798, so a year later. How can you claim things before things can be sold? I don't know. I mean, that's a question I've always had. When you buy a piece of land, does it Mm -hmm. include everything below it? It, It's just a... I know, like, the whole... What is it called? A manifest destiny? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, oh, this is my land. I claim it. God, like, whatever the thing is. It's just so weird that... You know, at this time, someone would just go and like, huh, there's a cave. I own this cave. It's, well, it no, they, they bought the land. The The thing about uh, Manifest Destiny, when all that stuff happened. Oh, it's something like going out west, I guess. Yeah, that, that, okay. that was all. They were they were told, this is your land. They bought those land or were given, you know, yeah. different things like this. But this is 1798, so this is before all that. Mm. I mean, we've just become a country. So, I mean, you, you, it's kind of the way it was. You find it, you own it, I guess. But you still had to, like pay for it so you can't do that now i went to like a local tavern the other day and i was like this is mine now and they're like no you brad no no go ahead pay your tab and get out and i'm like okay well uh let's see valentine simmons uh then sold the cave to the mclean brothers who began processing the saltpeter deposits <laughs> saltpeter come on <laughs> it's real stuff in 1810 the operation was taken over by charles wilkins and fleming gatewood who began mass production in the cave Prior to buying the rights to Mammoth Cave, Wilkins had already established himself as a saltpeter merchant. (laughs) Get out of here. Supplying the DuPont Gunpowder Works in Delaware with product from Kentucky. The men were excited at the promise of the cave, already realizing that a fortune was to be made from the increasingly hostile relations between the United States and Britain. And then the War of 1812 would drive up the cost of saltpeter... (laughs) And production in Mammoth Cave. So wait, is saltpeter used to make gunpowder? Yes, it is. Oh, I thought it was like salt licks, kind of. No, it's it's a um, it's to make it's to make saltpeter's not as funny to me now. No, now I know it's for gunpowder. <laughs> 
Well, the business proved to be quite profitable. But after the war ended, the price of saltpeter... Nothing it's not funny out. anymore. Oh, sorry. That's good the price powder. of saltpeter plummeted, and the mills were able to get the product more cheaply from other locations. Mm. But the operations in Mammoth Cave seemed to be closed down for good. That's unfortunate. Fortunately, though. Oh, there's fortune. <laughs> all was not lost. The fame of Mammoth Cave had already started to spread. And so numerous newspaper articles had been written about the cave's contribution to the war and had also discussed its natural wonders and the strange mummies that had been found in the cave. Soon, people began traveling from the east to Kentucky wilderness and Mammoth Cave began to receive its first tourists. Wow, so it's... It's been touring for a long time. Yeah, and, uh, you know, like I said, they they found mummies in there, which were like old Native American kind of burial areas. Oh, no. Yep. We touched the Native American stuff. You better what? believe it. Why do we got to do that? That's what white people do. Man, just leave it alone. Well, in 1815, Hyman Gratz became a partner with Charles Wilkins in the ownership of the cave, and Gratz was a showman and an entrepreneur, and he quickly realized that there was money to be made in exhibiting the cave. So after Wilkins died in 1828, Gratz continued showing the cave to anyone who was interested and actually stepped up operations to make the place more profitable. He used veterans of the mining operation as guides to accompany curious travelers. The Mm. cave was originally called Flats Cave, but the name had been gradually changed to Mammoth Cave during the War of 1812. The rotunda, which is an area in the the cave there, it's the first large room that was entered. Thank you for explaining that part. Yep. Uh, The first large room that was entered prompted the name and gave visitors a taste of the massive chambers ahead. At first, the guides rarely ventured any further than the old mining operation and tunnels they were familiar with. But as they grew more comfortable with the passages, they started to venture a little deeper with each excursion. Travelers were then led into what was called the Haunted Chambers, and they risked the dangerous wet and rocky canyons known as the Bottomless Pit and the Crevice Pit. As the century grew older, the fame of Mammoth Cave grew larger and more widespread. The visitors of the 1800s were also fond of smoking their names onto the smooth white ceilings of the cave. Today, you can still see the names and dates carefully scripted with fire that were left behind by visitors more than a half a century or a century and a half ago. Okay, so they kind of like branded their names into the ceiling. Yeah, so it was like the OG uh, graffiti, and it's all still there. It's pretty interesting Hmm. and uh, but yeah, they that was like the big thing to do is to put your name on the ceiling and yeah, ruin just, this historical thing. <laughs> I just I just carved me and my wife's initials into a tree. Yeah, Aww. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't go into a cave. <laughs> Still there. So too. haunted mammoth cave, right? This is what we're getting to. Oh, so there's mammoth cave and there's haunted mammoth cave. Well, they're the same place. Like, do they share the same dimension, or do you have to cross dimensions to get to? Well, it depends on whether or not if the curtains are flame retardant or not. Okay, gotcha. So there have been many stories of ghosts at Mammoth Cave, spanning several generations of visitors, guides, and service personnel. This isn't surprising considering that the caves can be very spooky places. They've got dark corners, shadowed crevices, and odd noises. But are the stories of Mammoth Cave merely figments of overactive imaginations? That remains to be seen. Mm. Although we should take into account that the ghostly tales have been told about that place almost from the time when the first cave tours roamed in the darkened corridors with only a small lantern to guide the way. Which is the best way to see ghosts, small lanterns. Well, yeah. These eerie stories tell about things like unexplained sounds, strange lights, bizarre noises, disembodied footsteps, and of course, 
apparitions, spirits, and ghosts. However, skeptics, of course, always skeptics, they maintain that there are explanations for all of these things. A person's imagination can play tricks on them in the dark, and footsteps and voices can seem ghostly when they are just echoes from other parts of the cave. I'm going to have to ask my wife if she experienced anything there. She went a couple years ago for like a girl trip. And I know they did a. I know they did a tour. Yeah, I've I've been there a couple times, and I don't recall having anything happen. Mm. Um, skeptics also state that stories of encounters with ghosts in Mammoth Cave are told by tourists and visitors who have no previous experience with the caves and with the natural phenomena that accompany them. But there are others who would say that this is not true. While many of the stories are indeed accounts told by visitors to the cave, others are not so easy to explain away. Many of the tales are experiences shared by park rangers, cave explorers, spelunkers, and even geologists who are fully aware of what strange things a cave can do. Hmm. Believers in the resident ghosts can cite a number of reasons why the cave might be haunted. The long history of the place includes accidents from the days of the saltpeter operations. <laughs> oh, so now it's again. funny again? It's funny again. Native Americans who wandered into the cave and never found their way out. Stranded travelers, missing cave explorers, tragic tuberculosis victims, and even those who love the place so much that they have never left. Huh. Or so the stories go. That's interesting. TB victims. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. We talked about that, I think, during Waverly, that that was another big place where they sent TB victims because they thought the air was cleaner because it was cooler down there. It stays at 57 degrees. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it was a a huge uh, TB ward for a long time. Oh, that's crazy. So, yeah, a lot of patients died. There's still like a graveyard down there and stuff like from a lot of the TB patients that died. Hmm. I I don't know why I don't remember going over that. Oh, you know, because we just lightly touched on it. Because okay, it was my story. I talked about it. Gotcha. So let's talk about some of the stories that have been collected over time. Yeah. I found a number of different stories, and so we're going to hit on a couple of them. Yeah, right? absolutely. So here's the first one I found. A certain park ranger has served as a guide in the cave for a number of years. She once said that weird things would often happen along the route leading from the historic entrance to the cave. One day... She had been leading a tour group into the cave and had stopped to point out a site along the passage. She paused to wait for everyone to catch up and noticed a man in the back who was lingering behind the rest. He was wearing a striped shirt, denim pants, and suspenders, but that was all she remembered. After her discussion, the group moved forward along the passage and she looked for the man again, but he was gone. There was no one else in the tour group who matched the description of this man. So, she sends another guide back a little ways to look for him. The man was never found. It's a ghost. Yeah, so, uh, man, I cannot tell you how many stories I found like that. Yeah, like seeing a random person and like them just being gone. Yeah, being a part of their group that was dressed funny or mm-hmm. something like that and then was just gone. Here's, here's my thought on Mammoth Cave because of it being a mining area where they would, you know, mine saltpeter <laughs> and all that stuff. That rock is going to absorb the energy. That has got to be 100% a residual haunting place. If oh, there is intelligent sure. haunting, it's probably very rare, but there it's just got to be echoes of the past. For sure. Absolutely. Unless we get to a story here that I haven't seen yet. It's like and a man came up to me had a full conversation about my fortune in the stock market. <laughs> like, oh, that's one from the future. Yeah, that's different. Uh, so here's another one. A tour was taken many years ago in the company of a large group and two guides. 
When they reached a point on the trail called the Methodist Church, they usually turned out all of the lights so that visitors could experience what the cave was like in pitch black darkness. One tourist was standing at the back of the group when the lights went out, and she could hear the lead ranger talking about the experience. Then she felt a strong shove against her shoulder. The assault was hard enough that she had to step forward to keep from falling over. She turned to another ranger, who was supposed to be standing next to her, and she whispered to him to stop clowning around. A moment later, the lead ranger ignited the wick on a lantern, and she saw that the other ranger she had thought was close to her was actually about 70 feet away. There was no way that he could have shoved her and then walked so far in complete darkness. There was no one near me, she said, but it was a playful shove. There are a number of us who feel things in various parts of the cave. It's not frightening, but it's something else. So I feel like everybody that works in this cave, especially from her experience, they're used to this. It's right. like, okay, it's just another well, day. Well, she was a tourist, but yeah. Or, yeah, a tourist. But, but even then, no, yeah, most yeah, the of the guys are like, come, right. yeah, it's a, just another day at, at the gym. Yeah, just uh, don't don't shove me down any pits here. Don't, don't any salt peters around. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> what are those? Are those like earbuds? Yep. Okay, cool. Sorry, listeners. I just saw something. But yeah, that that one's so that one kind of strikes the residual thing, because yeah. she got pushed. You know, well, well, okay. You, you you mean it's probably more intelligent, more intelligent than residual. Okay. Than residual. I get what you mean. That's you why I said strike. Got it. Yeah, strike that. Strike. Well, uh, I, I didn't say there's no intelligent there. I just said it's probably mostly residual. Right. Well, I was just saying that. Here's a here's a um little example. Yeah, an example of that. So. Okay. Very good. I got another one here. You All wanna, right. You want to hear it? I do. Okay. Listeners aren't allowed to listen, so they have to close their ears. Now, this story comes from uh, Charlie Hanyon. He's a former cave guy who became a nature writer. He and a friend were leading a lantern tour of the cave, a historic tour designed to give the visitor an idea of how early tourists saw the cave. And as his friend was talking to the assembled group, a girl of about 14 years old turned to Hanyon and asked who the man standing near the rocks was. Hanyon looked about 40 feet away and saw a man in old-fashioned formal attire. He was dressed in a fashion that tourists from decades past would have dressed to tour the cave. The man quickly vanished. But the really weird part came the following week when we were on the same tour, Hanyon added. As the tour group reached the same point in the cave, a guide asked if there were any questions. A woman raised her hand and asked if strange things were ever seen in this part of the cave. The woman was a tourist and claimed to be a psychic. She pointed over to the place in the rocks where Hanyan had seen the man the week before, and she asked who that person was. It was the same spot where we'd seen it before. I didn't see it at all at that time. Hanyan recalled. He also admitted that while he hadn't seen anything, the entire experience gave him chills to think about. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> hey, what's that over there? Oh, crap. Right, so here it is, like, the week before. They're like, psh, whatever. Well, he said he saw it the first week. and then Well, the his week friend after, saw it. His friend was well, the Well, yeah, his friend it. saw it, and then, like, the next week, you know, a psychic points it out, and he's like, Okay. Guess that was real. <laughs> <laughs> that one's th- uh, th- that already reminds me of the picture Ed showed us. You know, yeah, like, that was really cool. I mean, it's just ugh, like that. 
it's it's a pudding moment, mm-hmm. you know, like for you as a person, like that would be that pudding moment. Yeah, know? absolutely. It's like holy crap, this is real. Get out. Yeah, <laughs> we got to go. <laughs> is the is this, is this the end of the tour? No, sir. We still got about halfway. Do you guys have like a chicken door I can take to exit quickly? Door. Hey, I don't want to be. Y'all here sell rosaries, so I'm gonna tell you a side story about a rosary real quick. So uh, at the Circle K that I go to every day, uh, Circle K is not a sponsor. Um, but I go to every day. We'll just say uh, the gas station that has the big litter that has a circle around yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, there's usually a panhandler out there every day. Oh, it's yeah. over in Portland. Well, this day was a special day. It had four panhandlers. And I was oh, parked nice. at the end of the, the parking lot. So I had mm. to go through all of them. Prime buying Do you spot. have some change? No. Do you have some change? No. And then the third guy has this rosary in his hand. And he <laughs> says, would you like to buy the Lord's <laughs> necklace? <laughs> And I said, what did you say? He says, I have the necklace of the Lord for sale. (laughs) And so I'm laughing and I'm like, no, man, I don't really want that. He's like, come on, man, $5. And I'm like, no, I'm not a Christian. He's like, oh, okay. And then the fourth panhandler goes, oh, hey, man, you're not a Christian. I got this skull ring for $5. (laughs) (laughs) So they just lined up along the sidewalk just waiting for you? Just lined up, man. And so, like, because I w- because I said I wasn't a Christian, apparently that means I like all things skeletons. Yeah, you like so. Satan, apparently. Now even Satan just a, it was literally just a ring with a skull on it. And he says to me, he says, "No, man, this is pure silver." I said, "Okay." He said, "This is a great deal. This is a hundred fifty, two hundred dollar ring. I'm giving it to you for five bucks." I said, "Man, I got fat fingers. That ain't gonna fit." And he goes, "Hold on." And then he pulls it apart. And I, he's like, "I can make it fit." And I go, "Dude, not silver." <laughs> he's like, "Oh, it's it's." The- it's that new uh, thin, thin silver. Silver. Thin's easy. Silver. <laughs> Jeez. So, uh, yeah, that was my quick side story. So uh, we do have another. Oh, we got a couple more, but here's another one that I that I love this one. Uh, and I actually found uh, several stories about this. This is a big one. Okay. In February 1858, an article appeared in Knickerbocker magazine called A Tragedy in Mammoth Cave. The story tells of a girl named Melissa who confessed the entire tale on her deathbed, having succumbed to tuberculosis. Melissa was a southern girl who lived in the vicinity of Mammoth Cave, and she had fallen in love with her tutor from Boston, a young man named Beverly. The tutor had ignored Melissa's affections and began courting a neighbor girl instead. Melissa plotted her revenge. Having grown up in the area, she knew well the twists and turns of Mammoth Cave, and with careful planning, she lured Mr. Beverly to the cave. She conducted him on a tour to the depths of the cave and to a place called Echo River. Here, she vanished into a side passage and left the poor man to find his own way out. Days passed, and Mr. Beverly did not return. Melissa had only meant the whole thing as a cruel joke, and so in despair, she went back to the cave to look for him. She made daily treks underground, searching and calling out to him. But Beverly was never seen again. Melissa was later diagnosed with consumption and died a short time later, never recovering from her guilt over the tutor's death. Many believe that her ghost is still seen and heard in Mammoth Cave, desperately searching for the missing man. While the story sounds incredibly melodramatic, the reader is warned not to dismiss it too quickly. According to Gary Bremer, a former Mammoth Cave guide, there may be just something to the tale. Several years ago, Bremer and four others were in a boat on Echo River, an underground stream that lies deep in the cave. One of the men had left to get another paddle for the boat. 
Bremer remembered what happened next. He said, The three of us in the boat all heard a woman calling out. It wasn't screaming, but it was as though she was looking for someone. The next day, they asked some of their other guides if anyone else had ever had such an experience. One of the older guides told him about a murder that was supposed to have taken place in that area and told him the story about Melissa. Bramer had never heard the story before that time. Strangely, it would not be his last encounter here either. A short time later, he was again on the Echo River, this time with a new employee who had never seen the river before. She suddenly turned and grabbed his shoulder. Did you hear a woman cough? She asked him. Bramer felt a cold chill. Melissa had died of tuberculosis, he remembered. The other employee would later verify Bremer's version of their experience and would also add that she had also heard garbled voices in the cave and on one night believed that she heard someone whisper that name. So I wonder what happened to Beverly. I mean, that's that's just sad to think about. You know, you get into a cave and if you have no lantern or anything to find your way around, you get lost. Like, how long do you wonder before you just, like, die? I mean, especially, you know, this was from 1858. Yeah. So this was still, so much was unexplored. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, like, cleaned up and roped off. Have you seen, um, there's a movie on Netflix right now called The Silence. It's uh, loose. So have you you seen The Quiet Place? Yes. Okay, so The Silence is kind of similar to that. Oh, I have that saved on my Netflix queue. It's great. Um, it's it's why I fear large cave systems. Well, there's another great movie, The Descent. That's really good. Eh. I like The Descent <laughs> as, as as I also like As Above, So Below. Yeah, which the, I love. The, the Silence was one of those movies that, like, after it was over, my wife and I were both like kind of stunned Ooh. because it's something that technically is kind of possible. Right. It has there. Evolution kind of works this way, mm-hmm. so it's um, it's the reason why I fear caves. Yep, especially large caves. Yep. Well, there. I mean, he's. Who knows if he got out? Like I said, this was 1858, so it wasn't like she could just call his cell phone yeah. and see if he made it out. Uh, it's so cra- it's it's weird to think about now. Our lives are so simple in the fact of we can't find somebody. We like get on Snapchat, look up their location, or like text them. Like back then, it's like if somebody was gone, they were gone. And if you didn't hear from them for like a month, everything was considered. Yeah. Well, now, if someone's month. gone missing, like it's twelve a hours. Big deal. Yeah. Like it's a huge deal. I you bet know? no one even realized he was missing. Yeah, that, and uh, that's what I'm saying, too. It's yeah. like, who knows? Who knows? It's sad. But yeah, the next story that we have is about the ghost of Floyd Collins. I thought this said Phil Collins. No, first. it's not Phil Collins. Like, he's Floyd still alive. Collins. But this is a very, very famous uh, story. And uh, man, let me tell you. So I this is one of the ones I had already heard. So Floyd mm-hmm. Collins is huge, like in Kentucky. They even made a musical. There's a Broadway musical about it called Floyd Collins. One of my audition songs I've, I've used from there. Um it's a great story. I mean, it's just like this was that idea <laughs> where uh, they were so starved for entertainment that they would turn anything into a carnival. I mean, mm-hmm. much like the murder of Pearl, Pearl Bryan, like the uh, the uh, the they court. T- the they court turned stuff. the execution and the court stuff. Into yeah, like a- into this huge thing. Well, here's a guy that accidentally fell into a cave and couldn't get out, and so they made. I mean, this thing got huge there were rides that popped up and like people came to visit the man they would just lower him food all the time because they couldn't get him back out like seriously this is a crazy story and this is a very truncated version of that story 
Like, it's a very, very long, long story that we're only going to touch on. (laughs) Well, uh, allow me to touch on it. Mm -hmm. This is The Ghost of Floyd Collins. During the early 1920s, most of the caves were privately owned and more and more people were flocking to the area to vacation. So many entrances to the cave system had either been discovered or made that dozens of caves were now competing for tourist dollars. A man named Floyd Collins owned a section called Crystal Cave, but was losing out in what has now become known as the Kentucky Cave Wars. His cave was hard to get to and lacked lodging. He was losing money. Collins began excavating an entrance to Sand Cave, which he hoped would steal visitors from the then privately owned Mammoth Cave. While excavating, an enormous boulder shifted and pinned him by the leg. He was found a day later, and what followed was one of the nation's first and most morbid media frenzies. Radio and newspapers carried regular updates on Collins' predicament, and soon gawkers and well-wishers from all over were flocking to central Kentucky to follow the drama. Hamburger and hot dog stands popped up, and souvenirs were sold. Meanwhile, rescuers were at a loss to how to move the boulder. Eventually, another cave-in occurred, blocking Colin off from all help. Now, he couldn't even be saved by amputation. After two weeks, Collins died alone from exposure. Sad, huh? Colin's story does not end there. Floyd was eventually removed from the cave after several years and interred in a family cemetery. Floyd's father, Lee, sold the cave and property to a local dentist named Thomas, who somehow obtained permission to exhume Floyd's body and put it on display in a glass-lid coffin in the entrance to Sand Cave, where hundreds of tourists could gawk at his decaying corpse. It gets weirder. Eventually, Floyd's body was stolen, presumably by rival cave owners who were angry at the amount of tourists the body was attracting. After a few days, his body was discovered in a field minus one leg, which was never recovered, and he was put back in his coffin in Sand Cave, now sands the viewing lid, though people still peeked inside. The National Park System bought Sand Cave in 1961 and closed the cave to tourists, but surprisingly didn't give Floyd a proper burial until 1989. Not surprisingly, A plethora of ghostly activity is said to occur here. In areas associated with Floyd Collins' grim demise, his voice has been heard calling for help, and objects have been thrown. It should be noticed that in recent decades, Floyd's cave has been found to be connected to Mammoth Cave. That's messed up. Yep. (laughs) It's <laughs> super messed up. Like, and they could have at least put up, like, a baklava stand or something. Like, why has it just got to be hamburgers and hot dogs? <laughs> Sorry. That was more <laughs> So this goes into Floyd's possible apparition. Before we even get into that, though, uh, let's let's quickly talk about it. Like It's messed up, man. That's what it is. Like I told you, up. and we this is a very truncated 
two-paragraph version of what happened to this guy. I mean, like I said, it, it is such a famous story that they made a Broadway musical about it. There's a Broadway musical? Yeah, it's called Floyd Collins. Like, it's messed Why? up, dude, because it's, it's, it's tragic. It's super tragic, and his songs are absolutely tragic, and it's like all the other songs are about people gawking at him. I mean, here's a guy that couldn't even die in peace. He literally suffered for two weeks. They put him in a glass coffin to be looked at. This is just a guy so that fell in, like, got trapped by a boulder, and people wanted to see his dead body. What the heck was wrong with people? YouTube wasn't around. <laughs> I mean, I get it, but, like, wow. it's it's just like, oh, you get a guy that's hit by a car, well, we're gonna show his body off for months and months and months and months because he got hit by the weenie truck. I mean... Who was it when the uh, when the Pope dies? Don't they like parade the, his body around? Sure, for a that's while? a little bit different. Uh, like when presidents die, there's like yeah, a tour. That, that's a little bit different. Um, the and even closed. then, like um, I think like uh, Lenin in uh, in Russia and, and maybe even Napoleon, Muhammad like, Ali. I think they had uh, glass uh, glass coffins that you can still see them. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent on that, but I know there are some famous politicians and things like that throughout the years that have I mean, had glass coffins, just a rotting body. And if what we believe about spirits in the soul is true, then the entire time these, this is making money. He's, he's mad. I don't know what words mm -hmm. I can use on air, but I'm just going to say he's mad. Even though the word I want to use is much bigger than mad. Yep. I'm, like, I'm mad for him. Yeah. I'm ready to, like, just go ghost real quick and go haunt for him. I mean, he definitely had some, you know, family and friends that were supportive. They were the ones that were getting him food and, and things like that until that other cave-in. And then it was just basically like... Why didn't they amputate quicker? Why know. The second they realized the boulder's too big, amputate. Well, I think it's more than that. I think they, they couldn't get down there either. And so, because it was like an area that was difficult to get to. And so it wasn't it wasn't like he was just standing a, a foot away from us. I mean, you know, like he was he was down in a hole, essentially. And uh, it was it was made very difficult and they couldn't figure out how to get him out. And, and so, I mean, I, you know, and they say that <laughs> it was missing the leg. I'm probably sure somebody took the leg thinking they were going to be like, here's the leg that was pinched by the boulder. Jeez. You know, like that's got to be what it was like. And then they were probably like cops were looking and stuff like that. So they probably just chucked it into Echo River. That's messed up. I don't like that at all. But yeah, it's it's really interesting. The whole long story is absolutely insane. And what makes it insane is the media frenzy that mm -hmm. surround it. Yeah. They were. I mean, you know, and it, it, I guess in a way it harkens back to this was long before you were born, but there there was a baby Jessica that fell down into a well. Mm -hmm. And I can remember that was somebody asked the other day, what was the first major news story you remember growing up? And mine was baby Jessica falling down the well. And it was insane. Like, God, I mean, every every minute of the day they were letting us know, how's Jessica doing? How's Jessica doing? I mean, it took because it took like two days or whatever to get her out of there. And uh, it was this big ordeal. And that's the closest I can think of. But not like this. Like no. I said, hot dog stands, hamburger stands. They had rides. They had soup. People were selling souvenirs. Like that's messed up. Get your T-shirt. You know. I mean, I, like, I made my joke about baklava, but like the whole situation is messed up. It's awful. And so, uh, so you were saying there's more. There's the possible Floyd Collins apparition stuff. Yeah. So. So a former employee named George Wood filed a report back in 1976. 
He wrote that he and another employee, Bill Cobb, had spent a day in June checking springs for a study on groundwater flow in central Kentucky. They didn't make it to the last spring until after dark, and it was located near the old and abandoned Collins House on Flint Ridge. Cobb went to the spring while Wood waited near the truck. After a few moments, he heard the sound of a man crying out in the darkness. At first, he thought it was his friend calling for help, but the voice seemed too high-pitched. It was also so faint that he had to listen carefully to hear what it was saying. The voice cried, Help me! Help me! Help me, I'm trapped! Johnny, help me! It called out over and over again. As he stood there on the edge of the dark road, he felt a cold chill down his back. He vividly recalled hearing and reading about Floyd Collins and how he was trapped in Sand Cave, which was located just a short distance from where he was standing. Could this have been Floyd Collins' ghost? A few minutes later, Cobb returned and Wood asked him if he had been calling for him. The other man had heard nothing while at the spring, but after hearing Wood's account, admitted that he was spooked. In fact, they both were, and didn't waste any time in getting back in the truck and driving off. Yep, that's what I would do. <laughs> I, I'd be gone. And that that is a lot of the stories that I've seen people do. They hear a man cry out, help me, help me, help me, help me. Because, like, you know, I feel like once the other boulder came in and they couldn't see him anymore, they probably just packed up and just left the poor man because it said he just died. Yeah. Like, of, uh, what did they say? Um, of natural causes or <laughs> essentially he died from like uh, like exposure exposure that's what yeah. it was yeah so just being exposed to the elements his leg was probably getting infected yep. from the wound it's just horrible so here's a man that's probably gotta die alone he had a terrible death and then like they disrespected his body and then it didn't even get buried like properly until 1989 my question is is how in the heck did this guy that bought this cave afterwards get the family's permission to exhume the body? Because that's what it said. Get the family's permission. So his family. It said he didn't jerks. have permission. Yeah, I thought it did. No, I'm pretty sure it said that without permission, they exhumed his body. Oh, it did say they somehow obtained. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So, yeah. So it says that they somehow obtained permission. So Which how, is messed up. I mean, it's like. I, well, what I mean, a, you you want to get the body out, obviously. So they were probably given permission to get the body for a proper burial, but these people took advantage and were like, oh, well, we'll just keep him on display. It's just horrible, man. Jeez, if y'all want to display me, like, that's cool and all, but, jeez, at least get permission and bury me afterwards. It's just, you know, I just feel so sorry for this guy. And, uh, like, his family's a bunch of jerks for letting it even happen, but they were probably making money. Yeah. They probably had little bobbleheads. Or bobble legs. Sorry, terrible joke. <laughs> did you just say bobble legs? Yeah, I did. <laughs> all, right, all right, all right. Let me get to this last story we got here. All right, this one's a good one. This is a good one. On July 28th, 2013, my wife and I visited the cave and I experienced absolutely nothing. End of story. Roll credits. <laughs> Nothing paranormal, anyways. 
Tour groups usually consist of 100 tourists and two to four park rangers. Though rangers have reported bizarre experiences on tours, so many people in a relatively confined space do not allow for many paranormal encounters. The cave itself, however, was amazing. And though I didn't hear Floyd Collins' cries for help or see a ghostly tour guide from the 1800s, I left the cave in wonder. After eating some delicious homemade barbecue in nearby Cave City, my wife and I headed back to Mammoth Cave National Park for a free guided surface walk. The destination this afternoon was Old Guide Cemetery, located very near the visitor center. The cemetery is where many of the cave's first guides are buried, along with those who died in the long-abandoned subterranean TB village. When we reached the cemetery, I took photos of the graves, silently saying the guides' names, asking for a manifestation. And nothing. When the walk ended, we decided that the legend trip had been a bust, though a fascinating and beautiful bust, and we would have to settle for the unbridled beauty of Mammoth Cave National Park. After looking over some brochures, we decided that the trail we'd like to hike before dark was Cedar Sink Trail. The trail is a two-mile loop located about a 15-minute drive from the visitor center. The cave system is formed as water is taken into the ground and over thousands of years carves out the granite and limestone beneath the earth. Cedar Sink is an area where the underground rivers briefly emerge before soaking back into the earth. By the time we reached the trail, the sky was starting to dim. About a quarter of a mile down the trail, my wife half-joked we'd end up stranded on the trail past dark. I laughed and added, Yeah, with a bunch of Kentucky Bigfoot and weird cave ghosts roaming around. She, however, didn't think that that was very funny, so I showed up and we continued on. About ten minutes later, she spotted some unusual-looking plants growing alongside the trail. Unable to decide what they were, she started on again. I lingered a moment, staring at the patch of plants and taking in the scenery, and when I saw something the likes of which I'd never seen. Suddenly, amongst the mystery plants, I clearly saw a woman's face about three feet from the trail. Though I'm writing this a full nine days after the encounter, I can still vividly picture it when I close my eyes. The woman appeared to be Caucasian, or at the very least fair-skinned. She seemed to be in her late twenties or thirties. Her hair was long and black, which she wore up in a bun, with one singular curl hanging down on her forehead. Her skin was a pale gray. Her nose was thin and her chin angular. The face was solid, but appeared flat and one-dimensional. A time when no one smiled for the camera because of exposure times that took minutes rather than split seconds. For all intents and purposes, it seemed like, in the blink of an eye, someone had clipped a face from a vintage photo and posed it in front of the plants. Though my description is lengthy, I probably only saw the face for a full second. Immediately after seeing the face, I turned to follow my wife. It was as though my mind couldn't interpret what I had seen quickly enough to keep my eyes on it. I immediately turned back to the plants and exclaimed, The heck?! My wife turned around, alarmed, and asked me what I had seen. I ignored her for several seconds and continued staring at the area, while I assumed she became thoroughly concerned about my mental health. 
When I finally told her what I saw, she began to get frightened. So I began to downplay the whole thing and we continued on our walk. I had no clue how long it would take us to walk an unfamiliar two-mile trail. And I didn't want her to have something to fixate one if we ended up walking back in the dark. Since this event occurred, I've thought about it over and over again. The only times I've ever thought I saw an apparition was in my peripheral vision. Something one can easily explain away. Though my sighting was brief, it was extremely vivid. I was looking right at it. The face was substantial, and it occurred in more or less broad daylight. Twilight was still roughly 45 minutes to an hour away. I suppose it could have been a hallucination. Perhaps for reasons I don't understand, my mind pulled some stock image from my subconscious memory. I have an interest in genealogy and antique stores, so old photographs are something I'm familiar with. However, this woman's face didn't seem familiar to me at all, and I have no clue why my mind would choose such a seemingly random image to display. Was it because I was subconsciously thinking about the alleged ghosts of Mammoth Cave? If so, you'd expect I would have imagined a white male like Floyd Collins. We continued our walk, marveled at Cedar Sink, and narrowly avoided a confrontation with a bear. We found large, fresh tracks on the trail as we hiked back out, but we didn't experience anything else paranormal. If there is a moral of the story, it's this, that ghosts appear in unlikely places. Yeah, that's been my experience with ghosts. Uh, they never appear where you want where you want them to appear. If you're looking for them, you're not going to see them. Yeah, pretty much. They got they got the power. They can they can vanish. Okay, I lied. We got some more. Oh, we got more. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. I thought those would take a lot longer. So, but I had some backup stories, <laughs> just in case. Yeah, I did. And so here's one from uh, Teresa's haunted history of the tri-state. Um, but in it, she also has a book. Uh, oh, sorry. Dot blogspot.com. Um, she has she she wrote a book called Scary Stories of Mammoth Cave, and uh, she basically says that the cave's most famous ghost is not really a ghost at all. So it's kind of funny, but he, here's what she says: She says the ghostly apparition, now commonly referred to as Martha Washington's statue, was first spotted by tour guide William Garvin in the 1880s. While walking down a cave passage known as Broadway, Garvin saw the glowing apparition of a woman floating above the ground in front of him. He witnessed the apparition for several moments before it blinked out of existence. Bravely approaching the location where the ghostly woman had been seen, Garvin raised his cane with the idea that he might possibly have to defend himself against some spooky entity. (laughs) He then realized his mistake. Garvin had assumed he was alone in the cave at the time, but there was actually a tour group nearby. The apparition he had spotted was caused by a bangle light. It's a type of flare used before the cave was rigged for electricity. It was turned on by the tour group and shining through the rocks. Over 100 years later, visitors to Mammoth Cave, especially those taking the historic tour, can still spot Martha Washington's statue and even purchase a 1912 postcard with her glowing image, photographed by Benjamin Haynes. (laughs) So, yeah. So, you know, so here's the thing. It's not actually a scary story, but... It's really funny because, you know, everyone knows that story if you've ever gone down there, mm-hmm. you know, about that. And it's just so funny. And here's a guy freaking out, right? 
he thinks he sees this woman <laughs> floating in midair. It's Martha Washington. Just come for me. I don't know if I should run or hug. I really liked what your husband did. <laughs> I'm a big fan of your husband. I know, I I know the wood teeth thing was kind of a myth, but it's still cool. <laughs> I'm just curious. Did did he cut down? Did he cut down a cherry tree? Did he ever tell you a lie? Did, did he have did, a side piece? Tell me the truth. This guy's just all excited to see Martha Washington. He's like asking too many questions. She's like, listen, <laughs> move along, move along. Tour's over. All right, so uh, here's another one. So uh, uh, this one is uh, on Joppa Church. Um, Jabba? No, not Jabba, Joppa. Oh, okay. When the Mammoth Cave area became a national park, the people who lived there were forced to move. It seems, however, that some have returned to their beloved land. Buried in the graveyard beside the old abandoned Joppa Church in the park lies the earthly remains of a woman who was a very talented violin player. It's said that if you walk past her grave at night, you can hear the haunting music of a violin. The church beside the cemetery now sits empty, but people seem to be there in spirit. Furniture and other objects have been said to move about. I've talked to people who have witnessed this in person. One witness stated that he had visited the church with some friends and that a book that had been placed on the table was not there when he went to pick it back up. It was found on the other side of the church, and no one in the group had moved it. One night around 1 a.m., a ghostly white light was seen moving out of the church and into the surrounding woods. Another ghost that haunts the park is that of a man who hanged himself. The house where the man lived is now torn down, but the tree the man used is still there. Two friends were recently driving past this tree when an orange ball of light appeared. The two drove away quickly, not wanting to disturb any restless spirit on a lonely road in the darkness of night. In this place people used to call home, you will now find only a haunting silence, broken only occasionally by the faint music of a violin, footsteps on the squeaky floorboards of an old church, and the whispering voices of those who have returned to the Mammoth Cave area. I miss Martha Washington! Did your husband steal my book and put it in the church? <laughs> oh, goodness, he's back again. He's back. That reminds me of my friend. I stay away from the roads because I see glowing stuff. I'm pretty sure it's an alien, but it could be your husband. <laughs> did uh, did your husband get reincarnated as a, as a beast guy, the Bigfoot? Do you know Bigfoot? anyways we're gonna get into our listener story uh so last week we had a a story from my sister trisha murphy oh and uh, dude i have a plethora of stories from her and uh yeah i saw the safe you carry around with you i can't believe you just keep them in a safe she has a ton you have to let me read them at some point no they're nothing's read man it's all recordings on vinyl (laughs) Jeez, that's so many vinyls uh but yeah so here's another spooky tale from trisha murphy So I woke up one day, um, and I had had a dream, which, um, I had been having a lot of dreams lately since I turned about 17, 18. Um, and there was more vivid dreams. And then there was like the cartoony dreams where it's just not real. Everything's kind of weird. And then there's the vivid dreams that it's like being there. It's just a little hazy. 
Um, so I had this dream that my best friend um, was driving her car and hit a brick wall. Um, and at the time, 75 or 475, they had brick walls like that you go underneath um, a viaduct or whatever, the bridge. Um, and at the time, my friend was kind of on and off suicidal. She was just having a hard life. You know, she lost her dad and um, just trying to find love. And she was young. She was 23 and, you know, just not just depressed. And um, I told her about it. And I said, you know, don't ever kill yourself, you know, and if you do take me with you because she was my best friend. Like I didn't want, I couldn't imagine life without her. And uh, she agreed. So anyways, fast forward two weeks. Um, the day I woke up, like I just remember feeling down. Everything was terrible. Like it was just the worst feeling. I didn't know what was going on. I remember I was kind of by myself and I was driving and I was just waiting for something. Um, so I go home and I'm in my room and there's a knock at the door. Um, and I knew something was coming. I just knew it and I knew it was time to be told. And, and there was my um, boyfriend's sister, um, Jenny. And she was like, I need to talk to you. And I already knew, I'm like, come on. Let's go talk in my room. Like, I knew I just wanted to sit down. I knew this shit was serious. And so she comes up there and she said, you know, Nikki died. And I just, uh, like, I knew that's, that's what it was. You know, that's what I had been waiting for all day. And I just started bawling. I was so upset. Um, so we ended up going to her house and um, I get a call. Um, I'm, I'm with my boyfriend Flea and Jenny and she's trying to make me feel better. And, um, her mom called or her boyfriend, I don't remember which one, just to tell me, I think it was her boyfriend cause he was screaming and crying and um, he told me that they were fighting and, um, she got into the car and she was driving up the road. He was running after her. It was raining and she even slammed into a brick wall and, um, with her car. And it wasn't under a viaduct or on the highway. It was in brick building um, across the street from the school that I went to, St. Charles. Um, and he's seen the whole thing. It, it was pretty traumatic for him. Um, so let's fast forward from that. So after she died, um, she would just start coming to me. Like in the middle of the night, I thought I was dreaming. Like... Um, it started off, so I'm in this room and in my head, and um, she said, Trisha, you need to take a seat. There's like a light beaming down and there's a chair. And she was like, we need to talk. And um, I would be like, Nikki, I miss you. You know, I can't be without you. I mean, she's all I had. And she's like, you're going to have to do this without me. And, like, I remember fighting with her about it. And I remember she's like, you got to let go. And I remember I had her hand and um, she was going through this door. And I'm like, I can't let you go. Um, I remember the door had light, you know, through it. And I'm like holding her as hard as I can. And this force was like pulling her. And I'm like, I can't let you go, Nikki. I just, I can't. And that was the first night. And I woke up and I was just tired. And the second night, I wake up again. And and really it went on for several days. I just remember bits and pieces. But the second time, 
um, she's like, Trisha, we need to talk. And again, there's the chair. So I sit in the chair and, um, she's like, I need to show you something. And all of a sudden it was like this vision and it showed my boyfriend flee with my best friend and they were kissing and, um, there was like a bed, um, and I just didn't want to believe her. Like I was just so upset and it was so real. And at the time, like I, I had no idea. Um, and I don't know. I just thought it was a dream again. And I woke up and I was exhausted. And so the next time, the next night, this time I seen her, she was coming through the hallway. Um, she was in like this, um, this Braves shirt, uh, dark blue shirt, some jeans, just like she usually is with the Braves hat on. Um, they're shortcut, you know, shoulder length hair, straight. And she said, can I sit with you? Cause I slept on a couch. And I'm like, yeah. And she was like, we need to talk about that night. And um, she was talking about with Lee and my friend, my best friend. And um, she just kind of showed me some more things. And, you know, I don't remember everything, but I remember waking up the next day and I was so physically exhausted that I didn't even do anything that that day. Um, So at this point, we're getting close to um, New Year's and, um, we, I go to this party at the time. I, I partied a lot, uh, especially when Nikki died, I was really, really upset. And, um, I remember it was a bunch of my, you know, when you're young, you have tons of best friends and we're all drinking, smoking and just having a good time. And, um, I say to my friend, to my best friend, I said, you know what is the weird is that I had this dream that you and Flea were together and that you were kissing and everybody shut up. And it was the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me. Um, because I knew at that point that what Nikki showed me was real. And my heart just crushed because I never thought my friend would have done that. And I never thought my boyfriend would have done that. And let's not forget the fact that I just lost my best friend. It just killed me. I mean, they're, they were all I had. Um, so later that night, you know, I, I was with my friend and we were talking and I was so upset and, um, it was just really embarrassing. The whole thing, I mean, it goes on and on, but, um, I'll never forget that. And, you know, my friend has stayed with me ever since. She never, I don't know if she crossed over a line or whatever, but she's just been a part of my life and she's always here. She's always by me. She's always looking after me and my son. Um, so I do appreciate it, I guess. You know, it woke me up to reality. All right. So, yeah, that's my sister again for the win. Can't wait to actually like sit down with her and be like, all right. Need you to read my mind. Need like, you. That's not what I do. Need like, you to oh. read my mind. Miss Trisha Murphy. <laughs> I saw I'm off of Washington. That's right. Uh, but thank you guys so much for tuning in. You can send your listener stories to Fearscape Stories at WCHQFM.com. Have you ever seen an alien or thought you saw a UFO or maybe thought you had a presence or maybe there's a story in your family that talks about something spooky some old legend send those to us we want to know them we will read them on air or you can send a voice recording and we can do that as well bonus points for anything martha washington related yeah totally bonus points (laughs) um 
other than that, yeah, I think that's Mammoth Cave. It's spooky, man. Ooh, I'm sleepy now. Yeah, me too. If you guys have <laughs> any stories about Mammoth Cave yourself, any experiences that you've had, hit us up. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, that's whatever, any cold, place. Damp cave sounds so nice. To Tell us if you if you've experienced anything down there. I've been down there a number of times, and I've yet to have anything. I've never been. I've only been to the cave of my soul. Oh, you're. It's a very deep cave. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, this has been Stefan, and I will catch you on the flip side. And I've been bred. Hold those blankets extra tight. Did I